Welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of FX's Trust, John Chapter 11. Today we find out that Paul is dead. Psych, he's actually alive and some negotiations will be taking place. Plus, Belinda's pregnant, so is she going to keep the baby? Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. This is a very good peppy song to indicate that Paul is finally saved. We have some good news. Um, I want to quickly say that Juliet is actually in the booth right now. She is engineering the show, but she will be adding her opinions and still be contributing. She just won't be seen in, in this week's episode. Only heard. Um, yeah, there she is. And over here to my left, we have Monique. Hey, everybody. It's me, Monique. We have another week of greatness going on in trust. A little more action for me this season. Uh, I mean, this episode. Yeah. And got real emotional. Got real in-depth with a few people. I loved it. Uh, mm-hmm. And by the way, I am your host, Mina Wahab, filling in for Juliet today. Um, and yeah, let's just dig right into this. You said that you like this episode a little bit more than previous episodes because there's finally some action. Well, not only action, I definitely feel like this was a more in-depth episode, too, and we got to see um, other people that we haven't seen. We got to delve more into, like, Bullimore Mm -hmm. and... um, (laughs) Yeah, we got... And we um, saw... The more I, I would say, the side of the kidnappers, Salvatore, mm-hmm. um, we saw more of a human side to him. Yeah. So I felt like this was a good. This was a good episode. That's what I love about this show. The characters mm-hmm. aren't black and white. Like even the villains, there's depth there. It's not like they're 100 percent pure evil. Everyone yeah. has a motive, and they have a certain way they want to accomplish that goal. Mm-hmm. And for them, it's like these are the means they want to take to achieve that goal of power in Italy. Right. Um, and you know, same with uh, same with Gail. I mean, the Italian paparazzi aren't too fond of her <laughs> not crying or expressing emotion. Which I thought was so interesting. I mean, she doesn't feel the need to cry in front of the paparazzi, but we all know how torn she was. And this week's episode starts out with flashbacks of Gail, played by Hilary Swank, and her relationship with Paul throughout the ages. What did you think of that? Um, I thought it was good. And actually, I want to say this because it kept throwing me off. Hilary Swank and the... Uh, Paul, the grandson Paul, they actually really look alike. They like, totally do. I didn't even notice. Like that, in but, real life, when they were yeah. doing the flashbacks, I was like, "Oh my gosh, they are, are they related in some way?" <laughs> um, looks it up. I don't think they're re- related in yeah. any way, but they do actually kind of look. They look very similar. Like that could really be her son. Um, but I thought that. I mean, I thought it was good. At least we kind of saw why the dynamic dynamic between. The her and her boyfriend and Paul, the grandson, mm-hmm. isn't that great. Why, mm-hmm. you know, why that, why he doesn't like Jeffries. Yeah, yeah. His, we obviously see that the, the stepdad kind of causes a rift between him 
and his mother, when in reality you know that there is that very close mother-son bond. He's the favorite. I mean, he's the firstborn. Mm -hmm. She She explains all of that, which is really good because we get to see her really talk about why she does all of these things for him and why she's always so like, I have to get you money when you show up or I have to do this Mm -hmm. as much as I can. Um, so that breakdown was really good when she was just like, you know, you, as a parent, you should never have a favorite, but yeah. he was our first. Yeah. So, you know, that was, that was good. And that was a great moment. You see the soft side of Paul as well. And you know how he's just like so loving and just loves to like live life and spend time with his mom. And I feel like most teens like that age, they're not like hanging out, chilling with their mom. Like that's not the age at which... You know, yeah, that's true. But I think guys can be different. Yeah, guys are even younger guys. Mm -hmm. They're different. I think um, when it comes to parents than how girls are. How so? I don't know. I feel like they're more calm, cool, collected. So they'll kind of just like hang out with their parents, or they'll hang out with their friends, or. And I may be wrong, <laughs> but with girls, I feel like we try to stray as far as way we can from our mothers to uh-huh. kind of, like, identify ourselves. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I feel like they're more... I feel like they usually tend to have like better relationships with their moms. Gravitate towards the mom and yeah. women, girls like gravitate towards their dads. Like yeah. I, I'm a mama's girl though. Like I, I'm so close to my mom. But um, I love that you know, you know, Paul was wearing a skirt, and that's why the stepdad freaked out. And I just think it just shows like that difference between like how Paul is so comfortable with you know his femininity, and he doesn't subscribe to these gender norms at all. He doesn't have to wear pants he's just like such a free spirit yeah. and the dad just has like this the stepdad i should say just has like this very manly like more really toxic view of of masculinity it's just straight up tox- toxic masculinity and um that's like kind of what causes that rift it's just like one of the examples we've always seen that rift between them uh for a while but it's just good to get that background to see why paul is the favorite and and the dynamic between the mom. I called it last episode. I was like, I really want to see flashbacks and the the mother-son dynamic because I wanted to really understand the loss that she was going through and get a good sense of, like, that And we did, yeah, we got a good sense of it um, this episode, which I thought was was great um, Mm -hmm. to see that full dynamic. I thought it was also surprising how she's not standing up to him, right? The step uh, father hits her son and Mm -hmm. he he is even bleeding right and she kind of is on the sidelines so now that there's all these craziness happening with her son's kidnapping i think she's living a lot of guilt and that's what those flashbacks were showing me yeah yeah Yeah. no that's a really good point julia i mean i think that you know you, you see her kind of stand up to to her boyfriend um in one of the previous episodes i believe it was like three episodes ago where she tells you know, her boyfriend, get out, get out of the house right now, get out. Because, you know, that probably did come into her her mind. Like, wow, this boyfriend caused the rift between me and my son, and now my son is actually gone for real this time. She doesn't even want, like, any association with the boyfriend because of her frustration, and she doesn't feel like she's being supported by him to find her son and to kind of... Like, he doubts that, that he thinks that this whole thing is a hoax, and he doesn't think that it's real. So just just her being questioned for something that's so dear to her, you already finally see her having that courage and that 
intensity and the the love she has for Paul just shine through and she changes from like this more docile character to a more, you know, firm and bold and aggressive person that's not going to take any BS from anyone. So I love that transition. I think so too. And I think what was really, really cool about this episode is that each character's reaction gave us a little bit more intel on who they are, mm-hmm. right? So Gail is, we see that she has regrets. We see that she is strong. And then this kind of went down with uh, Getty, who cries towards his secretary. Yeah. Then you have uh, Penelope, his girlfriend, who was, yes, she's really upset mm-hmm. uh, and sad that little Paul is gone. But part of her is also really upset that Getty's just reacting the way that he is reacting. Mm-hmm. Then you have um, Baltimore. Um, Baltimore. Yeah. Who, same thing, is feeling really some guilt because he, he's met Paul, yet he's also thinking, wait, what's my identity in this whole family and structure? And I thought it was, this. we saw this theme throughout the episode, which I thought was so, so cool. I w- always love to hear more and learn more about characters in these shows. Yeah, that's, yeah, all, that's all really interesting. That's so, like, insightful because how they react is kind of indicative to their character. I mean, all of these characters think Paul is actually dead. You know, yes. it, it's been confirmed, or so they believe. And and just seeing that, like, stark difference between characters, you see that the dad, the, the actual dad of Paul Getty III is actually enraged. But what does he turn to? What's his coping mechanism? How does he deal with it? Oh, he goes back to drugs and he reverts. How does Gail right. deal with it? She She's more in a state of denial. You know, she doesn't want to believe it. She has I mean, because the mother has intuition. I feel yeah. like she knows. So, I, I mean, yeah, like, everybody had their different reactions. I felt like in this episode also, um, we, it's funny because we got to see a, this, um, you know, a Getty Sr. is, like, having this whole breakdown when he finds out that he thinks that, you know, his grandson is dead. He's like, you know, he made me laugh. He's the only person that made me laugh. He mm-hmm. was, you know, this person. As you sat there and said, people want to mourn you when you die, but yeah. don't care when you're living. And, like, he wanted to mourn him when he died, but when he found out, he just went snap back to being yeah. the horrible person that he is. Yeah. And it was just, like, an immediate oh, now I don't have to feel bad anymore. He's mm-hmm. still alive. At least he's still alive. I'm right. I'm the right one. So I I, um, I felt like everyone's, everyone did have a, a different, a, a major different reaction mm-hmm. in their own kind of like way. So. I, I feel like a lot of people don't really appreciate what they have till it's gone. I know that's a very cliche saying, but it's so true. It's like yeah, when you have true. something, you take it for granted or you might overlook it. Once it's gone, you realize the value once you're a little bit more removed from it. And then you start thinking, oh, how did I treat this person? What was my dynamic like? And you tend to reflect on the good as opposed to the bad when someone is no longer in your life. Right. And, you know, the thing that I found really interesting with Paul's reaction um, Paul Getty Sr.'s reaction to the the so-called death of Paul Getty, um, of little Paul. Yeah, the um, grandson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, what I thought was shocking was he's okay being vulnerable to his secretary and letting his tears flow and being authentic, but that authenticity isn't present when he's with his actual wife, Penelope. And I think it shows that 
He doesn't want to show any sort of vulnerability or signs of weakness with Penelope, not because he doesn't respect her, Mm -hmm. but actually quite the opposite. He does respect her, and I think he has a certain insecurity within himself where he wants to constantly appear like he is the alpha, like he is strong, like he is, you know, the main person that will never show a single sign of weakness, and he takes emotion for weakness. He is the he, emperor. Right. He's the emperor. That's so funny. Yeah. He definitely reincarnated. Right. He definitely does. Um, I um I don't know. I think it's a subconscious thing. It is you get deeper into it, but it's a subconscious thing when you have something and then it's gone and then you're like, Oh my gosh, like this is all the things. Um, so I think it, it he stuffs all his emotion and self subconscious like empathy inside Mm -hmm. because as a business person and you know most most business people will know that sometimes you have to shut off emotionally Mm -hmm. and you you to continue to have that like even when um what's his name the officer the officer guy i forget his name right now oh bullimore no 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 which one um oh brendan fraser's character yeah him he actually um, said to him, you know, he had that conversation mm-hmm. with him. And it was just, it was, I mean, it, was it him? No, I think it might have been the secretary when she walked <laughs> in. I take that back, sorry. I think it was the secretary. She was like, this is not a business deal. It was either her or Penelope. Mm-hmm. And she said, this is not a business deal. And you cannot treat it as a business deal. And as he walked through it, at the end when she questioned him, he still treated it as a business business deal. And she was like, see, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. You're treating this as a business deal, and it's not a business deal. This is a actual person. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's hard to cut off when your career, career, career so much. Mm-hmm. It's hard to cut that off and tap back into the emotional, like, this is a person. This is how you're right. normally supposed to react. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people in this world, like, they don't take their pride just from their work. They're like, oh, I'm not just an actress. I'm also a mom. I'm a model. I'm an entrepreneur. I right. give to charity. I do this. With Paul Getty, I feel like even though he's so successful, he's not well-rounded. He gets his self-worth Like, specifically from a number. How much wealth does he have? What does he own? It's all very materialistic. He, I feel like, gets his sense of pride from status. And status is something that is, in large part, determined by other people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of his self-worth depends on what people say his value is based on the amount of things he has accumulated throughout the course of his life. And that's very toxic. And I think one of the most important things is to learn how to be a well-rounded person. And with certain podcasts, you really can learn to be a well-rounded person. Certain podcasts teach you how to be better in all you, aspects of life. So yes, I definitely. want a podcast recommendation. What's a podcast I should listen to? Okay, so you have to listen to the conversations with Maria Menounos. If you want to have fun, learn, and grow in all areas of your life, for those who do, we have the best podcast for you. Conversations with Maria Menounos podcast edition is hosted by our AfterBuzz founder and drops every Friday on iTunes. Conversations with Maria Menounos features celebrity and influencer interviews along with secrets and tips on how to be better in all aspects of your life. 
from health and wellness to career, relationships, finances, and more. Let Our Maria be the big sister you've always wanted. Just go to iTunes and subscribe to Conversations with Maria Menounos for free. I mean, you know, that's the best. Be sure to rate, comment, and when you do, let Maria know it was us at Trust who sent you. Conversations with Maria Menuno Podcast Edition. Make sure you check it out. And that's one yeah. who could have helped round this totally. yeah, situation. It would have. I was actually just listening to her last week, and she was talking about... Um, she was actually talking to a doctor who had done a lot of research about being vegan and not eating meat. And I know, like, a lot of people are like, oh, veganism, like, it's such a fad and it's such an L.A. thing. <laughs> right. But it literally convinced me to cut out meat. So, like, I've been... I had, like, chicken today, but I'm, like, gradually cutting my meat intake because yeah. I was so convinced after listening to that podcast. So, like, she has, like, all these cool little t- tips and tricks, and um, I love listening to it on my commute. So right. there's always something for me to gain by listening to it. This, I know, and this family clearly needed to gain from Yeah, it, right? 100%. Um, good news is that they finally find out that Paul is alive. I love that... You know, Hillary Swank's character, Gail, is relentless. She stops at nothing to find the truth. Her character is tenacious. She is driven. And what she does is, after she's stormed by the paparazzi and she, like, leaves, she decides to go to this place where the burned body is. The morgue. She, the morgue, mm-hmm. yeah. And thank you. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember the word for that. Uh, she the goes, morgue. She goes to the morgue. So much more concise. And she says... I'm going to pay you $50. I need to see the body. And she fights for that. She fights yeah, to see the she body. She remembers stuff. She has a mother's intuition. Yeah. Which, you know, I feel like a lot of mothers would do that in that in- instant um, just to make sure mm-hmm. that this is, you know, there's still hope. And clearly there was. So. Can you imagine, though, if she didn't find out? Like, I kept wondering when I was watching the episode, I was like, what if she didn't find out? Like, I don't understand what they were planning by burning a random person's body and making it seem as if J. Paul Getty III was actually dead. Like, what kind of game is that? That makes no sense to me. I think they really, really wanted to scare them. Well, not even that. It's like we have the power. It's all. It's a power struggle. Like, that's we can why when do Salva- this to Paul. Yeah, that's why when Salvatore and, like, um, when Salvatore and um, Getty Sr. met up, it was mm-hmm. such, like, a, oh, my gosh, he's brave. And it was, and he was saying before, like, Primo, all I want to do is be a Getty. And so when they meet up, you could, it's the, it's, it's like when you go into a room with two billionaires and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm here. Like, you're in a room mm-hmm. with Oprah and somebody else and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's Oprah. It's kind of mm-hmm. one of those things. It's a power thing. There's power in that right there. Mm-hmm. So even though we may not have the money, I feel like they were saying, even though we may not have the money, you want to play with us? Okay, we're going to show you who really has the hand here. And mm-hmm. it's not you. And Getty even said it himself. So. There's nothing like a body, a dead body, to put things into question. And it's true that it shook every character up, right? Mm-hmm. Every single character was like, oh my gosh. So it was, it was a good wake-up call that they needed. It was. It really was. I mean, what what do you think of all of their reactions, though, once they find found out that Paul was alive. I mean, there were there were such varied reactions. You have, you know, the son or the the father of of 
J. Paul Getty the third who, who storms in and wants to wants to like tell his father the truth that no one else has told him. Well, first he was to me. I don't know if they just did it for the episode, but to me it was like he retreated back to drugs and drinking so quickly. Like mm-hmm. like he was waiting for a reason to go back, and then. Um, and then, yeah, he goes in and confronts his father and gets sent back like, oh, Trash. damn. He was like, mm-hmm. with his head hanging. Yeah. That, that's the part that... Basically. That scene did kind of bother me, not gonna lie, because the way that Paul Getty Sr. says, oh, your son's alive, he says it in a way where, as if, like, he had control of the situation and he knew the entire time that he was alive, like, he's had everything under control. That's the type of air of confidence I feel like he display to his son and that really annoyed me it's power so frustrating because it wasn't even a celebration it was like see i gotcha yeah Yeah, it's all about power it's so true power is more sometimes power is more than money Mm -hmm. and when you have authority yeah when you have it you'll i mean you're going to try to use it to your advantage yeah so i think that's just what he does and and that's his mindset that's taken over his mind so it doesn't matter who's in his path mm-hmm. it's like oh i got you mm-hmm. so the fact that i know and you don't know and you're coming in here you know making a fool of yourself yeah that i'm was, just gonna sweep you up real quick <laughs> <laughs> it was so telling about that character right because at the end of the day we all we're all dealt a certain our cards right mm-hmm. it is how you deal we've been learning more about getting himself that he had a tough childhood mm-hmm. because his mother didn't fully love him because mm-hmm. he was kind of like the makeup child after they had lost a, a son um, a daughter actually yeah a daughter yeah and now you have Getty the father who Getty the second I believe um, who's just getting completely drunk completely taking all these drugs and it's his way of coping right but mm-hmm. it's like that really shows you who he is as a character he's not taking any responsibility right he's not trying to help out any other characters, trying to see how Ga- poor Gail's doing, like, doesn't try to contact her. He's all, all about himself, and then it's, he's like, I'm gonna go show him. I'm gonna go show Getty yeah. what's, what's happening. It's, and it's, he I shoots himself in the foot. He makes things even worse. Mm-hmm. He, he, I think he makes things worse for himself, but I honestly think that this was his his first moment where he really expressed how he really felt about his father. And I can't gloss over this f- fact either, is that yes, we got a full um, on in-depth conversation with Getty Sr. about how his parents, he was the makeup child. Mm-hmm. So all of these, it, it just should, goes to show me, like, all of these problems he has and all of these problems that he's passed on to his kids mm-hmm. stemmed from how his parents treated him mm-hmm. because he always felt like the one who they didn't want. Right. And I just feel like you have he's making up for that. He tries to make up for that and he's always tried to make up for that. And that was such a pivotal moment in this episode and I feel like a pivotal moment to for us to kind of understand Getty Senior too. Right. And you know and why he is the way he is subconsciously he right. doesn't even really understand that. But when he said that it was just a breakdown of oh my gosh, like this is why he is the way he is mm-hmm. and he and he doesn't even understand he's like we had a few episodes right. before where he was like, "Oh, I don't understand why all my kids are on drugs or mm-hmm. you know, I don't understand the drug 
because they're trying to cope and that was their mechanism to cope for the way that you have treated them right clearly we even see it he's so blinded by that and you know I'm not trying to simplify things in such a narrow way but I honestly believe that so much of the world's problems are because people have either not been loved properly and hence they don't know how to love or they there was some relinquishment of power they they were helpless in some way as children where now they try to get that power or there was some sort of void because the way you were treated as a child the way you were raised has a huge impact on who you become as yeah. an adult and if you're not aware of those patterns in childhood it's very hard to move forward and break that pattern because yeah. It's a As lot. A seen. lot of it is nature. A lot of it is how were we nurtured? And even even with, you know, how his kids were treated, and now when we see, um, we find out that Belinda is pregnant, mm-hmm. and with finding out that Belinda is pregnant, he's just kind of like, whatever. We have a contract. Like everything to him is it's about business. a business. Yeah. Like he never has a moment to to like separate himself from the business. Right. And he's like, We you're you're in breach of contract. Mm-hmm. And don't you see why would I want another son? They're just a disappointment. Right. But then I want it to be a daughter. Towards the end, we get, you know, the advice from Salvatore, who doesn't even have kids. Mm-hmm. But we get to see how even in power, how somebody is no, knows how to make their family before yeah. the business. I feel like it's such an Italian, so it was like Italian a, thing. Yeah, it was like a dynamic that met and was just like, okay, this is business. Yeah. But, but you have to understand this is family, too. Yeah. So, um... I thought it was a good commentary on what is worthy, right? Mm-hmm. As you're saying, Monique, is that he has all the money in the world, but are you really rich when you have no family or no love? And you're right. Like, you're the poorest man, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I felt like Salvatore, towards the end of their conversation, actually made that, you know, a point to mm-hmm. him. Like, he's yeah. like, I have no kids. Humans are I don't, social animals. Yeah, I, I have no kids. I don't have a son. But if I did, I, you know, don't disown your, your sons. Like, right. Or your empire, the everything that you've built and worked for so hard will crumble. And there's mm-hmm. no reason why it should have to. Yeah, and there was even that very, like, symbolic moment where uh, Paul Getty Sr. picks up a piece of, uh, it was like some sort of historic piece or, like, ancient artifact. And picks it up from the ground. And he says in Italian, everything eventually turns to dust. Which is true. And knowing that that's true... What is the legacy you want to leave behind? We all know that at the end of the day, both kings and pawns go in the same box. It's one of my favorite chess quotes because it's so indicative of how life is. Like, it doesn't matter what your status is. You can be rich or poor, Mm -hmm. but death is the great human equalizer. What do you want your legacy to be? Do you want your legacy to be something where you were just known for being the richest man in the world? Or what do you want to do with that wealth? Who do you want to help? Who do you want to inspire? The point of life, I feel, in my opinion, is to have an impact in whatever way, whether that's being a mother or, you know, raising a family or whether it's creating a charity organization and helping people who are in need. There's so much more to life than just accumulating wealth and not doing anything with that wealth other than doubling it and tripling it and quadrupling it. Because at the end of the day, that's just money. That's a paper currency that really has no value when you think of things in the larger scheme of the universe. Yeah, and I really think that's what, um, you know, I, I feel like Salvatore really put the focus 
on him to like take get out of business and and like kind of get to know your family and stop disowning them because you can have a bigger empire than what you are planning to even have so you know that was that was great and you know my one of my favorite parts of this episode was actually the smallest part which was um finding out um, Penelope's side piece. Oh Penelope my gosh! Side yes. Piece to make to make this a little lighter, yeah. like and Penelope she didn't want to travel with him to Italy. She's like, I have plans. I'm good. And I remember you laughing at that, saying like, Oh yeah, where's the power? Where's the power now? Right, because he has. Yeah, exactly. It was it, it was like she kind of took back her power mm-hmm. in that moment, and she totally did. I loved every bit of it because this whole episode as we can see, was a back and forth really about power, really about, you know, let me show you type mm-hmm. situation. Let me ruffle your feathers right. type situation. Let's, and yeah. yeah, and totally, like, I feel like she took back that power and it really was like, okay, somebody took back their power. Um, and, you know, that was great. Let's talk really quickly about the the numbers when it came to the negotiation and then afterwards we're going to go into predictions really quickly but when we see the negotiations taking place between J. Paul Getty Sr. and um, uh, Salvatore we see that it starts off at $15 million and there's this whole speech about how J. Paul Getty Sr. loves his son or loves his grandson but you know $15 $15 million isn't the number, or, or he can't quantify that love with $15 million because, yeah, he loves 17, him. Or, 17 yeah, million. $17 million yeah. isn't the number that he can quantify his love for his son. So then he says, you know what? I can I can do $2 million. And we get into this whole, like, dynamic where Salvatore is talking about how um, he, he really gets on, like, a a very authentic level with him where he says, mm-hmm. you know what, right now we're not in a position of power and we're really trying to get into the best restaurants to have connections to politicians, to mm-hmm. newspapers, and really like switch the the power in Italy right now because we are the poorest of the poor and things aren't going to change unless I have money. Yeah. And $2 million, which was J. Paul Getty, the uh, senior's offer, he says $2 million isn't enough for me to accomplish that. So then he doubles it to $4 million, And then finally it becomes $5 million. And he says, okay, we have ourselves a deal. Mm-hmm. And I thought the most interesting way of negotiations taking place was, you know, this is someone who is in need of money, but he still has the power because he has the kid and he has the ability to take away human life and nothing is more powerful in a dark way than the ability to take away life. Mm -hmm. So there is no number that can quantify human life. It's priceless. And I think that was really his weapon. And I love that we finally come to an agreement and, you know, there's hope now. And with that being said, I want to get into predictions to figure out, well, what's going to go on next episode. Right. Yeah, he, um, he, oh. Ah. Now we have a little bit more time to think about it. Um, I am really, yeah, I don't know. I'm torn. I mean, we see next week a, a little more, um, of the senior, mm-hmm. 
you know, and I just, I, I've, I don't know. So, Juliet, what do you think about Paul Getty Sr. And, and the negotiations that took place? Like, do you think that, I mean, we, we leave the episode with him saying, Saved. I'm not going to pay the $5 million. Right. I've done the hard part. Yeah. Which is so frustrating. I was so angry and annoyed and frustrated. What, who's going to pay this? How is anyone going to afford $5 well, million? Well, his son was. And then next week we see the episode where there's, like, flashes of money. like Stacks. Yeah, stacks yes. of money going out. So I don't know what's going to happen. Like, did he pay from, like, um, an inheritance or something mm-hmm. is my question. I guess we get to see that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I would like to see more of that. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I just want to yeah. know, like, what, what's going to happen? With- I want to see the reaction mainly. This this son who was thrown out of the house mm-hmm. once he's told him off, and now he's like, okay, pay up in five million dollars. <laughs> right yeah. after he said all of that, after he was all like, "You're a murderer because you didn't pay." Like, are you going to be a murderer now? Because <laughs> do you have the money to pay this five million dollars? Exactly. And what I would really, my prediction slash what I really, really want to see moving forward is more of Penelope and her boyfriend. I really yes. I that. It's like, I want to know more how they got together, how that <laughs> whole ordeal is going. Like, we, we followed Getty going to Italy. I want to follow their uh, weekend getaway or a staycation or whatever is actually going on between the two. Right. And that actually brings up the, the fact that we didn't actually get time to touch on it, but Bullimore, who we find out his name is Jungir, um <laughs> Khan, is, is him and this guy? Are they going to be something? Because I feel like they already are, and it's just going into the next step. Because we meet well, the aunt, and she she's like, "Oh, I've heard so much about you." It seems like they're already an item. That's what I gathered. What but no, else? because when she brought it up about the bed, Bulamar walked away, or Jung Hair walked away, and he was like, "This is already impossible." So is he struggling with? the fact of maybe being gay and doesn't want to come out or... I felt that a little bit. Yeah. I definitely felt like he kind of didn't want to admit to that and he was already... We see him going from like this very proper structured guy to finally letting loose and dancing which right. I was like, Bullimore dancing? So, What's yeah. happening? So I would like to see more of him. Um, are they going to be an item? And like... Are we going to see more of that? I would love to see more of that, too. And I see it's actually, you make an interesting point, because I more saw uh, saw him walk away thinking that he was just uncomfortable mm. with the idea mm-hmm. of living anywhere else but in the ghetto, Getty family. Oh, wow. I didn't think about that. He seemed mm. very uncomfortable. I think, I, for me, it was more so that. Oh, wow. so like, oh, wait. I'm, I've been in with these people for so many years and he's kind of imprisoned in a way with this structure and he complains about it that he's not they don't call him by his right name but right. He's, he's so ingrained in this family and I think just the thought of it him leaving is just unbearable. That's a great point I didn't think about it that way mm-hmm. too and it's funny that we see two different sides of it and I would like to see more of that like is it is it what you said Juliet or is it like is he nervous about being gay or coming out? Or? I think it's a little bit of my final question for you two is, is Belinda going to keep the baby? Because right now she has an ultimatum for her breach of contract. Either she keeps the baby and she gets, for, gets out of the Getty house, no association to the Getty family anymore, or she has the abortion and she stays with the Getty family. 
I don't know. I would like to see what she does too, because honestly, I think they're all kind of in prison. They're they're used to living a certain type of way, and sometimes when you get comfortable in that, it's hard to let go. Mm-hmm. And you don't when you do, when you do, when you're walking into the unknown, it's very scary. Like nobody wants to do it on their own. So um, I don't know. She's she's a little bit more mature too. That's why she was like, "Oh, I'm pregnant. How could this be?" And it's her last opportunity to have a child. Yes. So she has a really hard decision, and I I, I want to see more of that too. Like, are is she going to have it? Is she not going to have it? Mm-hmm. Like, why would she make that decision? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. For some reason, my heart is telling me that she's going to keep the child and leave. Because at this point, if she doesn't keep the child and she stays, she's going to resent Getty regardless. She doesn't want to stay. So it's like a lose-lose. She might as well just keep the baby and, and fend for herself now. And I don't know. What do you think, Juliet? Um, I don't know. It's a tough one. Man. Mm-hmm. I don't, it, it's two scenarios. She could either keep it thinking, you know what, I'm going to convince him and I'm going to have this baby and he's going to have to take care of me financially. Mm-hmm. Or she just doesn't even want to take that risk and she gets rid of it but i don't know it's just it's i'm fascinated by these characters who are living within this institution right i'm mm-hmm. just i don't see the appeal because they don't none of them seem really really happy if you're gonna be quite honest <laughs> right it's like why are you there you're just like you're showered with all this money but you're like in prison like what's the point of having money if you don't get to enjoy it everyone's so miserable it, it, they are and that happens though that happens to a lot of people in general like and I feel like I say that because I, I've just gotten out, you know, done my own situation like that. You just get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even realize that you're not happy. Mm-hmm. You're just going with your every day, every day, every day, every day. And you don't, you forget about yourself. Right. Because you're so, you yeah. you're so focused on serving someone else that you forget about yourself. You can buy comfort, but you can't buy happiness. You can't buy love. You can't buy freedom. Until I mean, a major situation comes up, yeah. like her pregnancy and and then you have to rethink stuff or like um, Bullimore or Jung Hair is, you know, um, maybe getting into a relationship with somebody like you don't. Mm-hmm. It does not hit you that you're uncomfortable, that you're not happy until something major like disrupts everything that's going right. on. Right. And we need those small disruptions or giant disruptions in life to really reevaluate what we want out of life and the type of person we want to become and how we want to grow. Definitely. Because it's those moments that allow for growth and Definitely. Being stagnant, that's the worst thing ever. I feel like right. it's worse than having the bumps along the way. The, the This plateauing, that's the most devastating. But right. um, I do want to wrap this up by saying the one thing that I love the most about this week's episode was the cinematography. It was insane, especially that movie theater scene where you see the silhouettes. I loved every minute of the cinematography, the music. Just the overall production was incredible this episode. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to more of that next week's episode. Right. And all I want to see if your predictions are going to come to life, if Juliet's predictions are going to come true and come to fruition. Uh, right. But in the meantime, where can everyone find you. You can find me I'm Anique Loveless and you can find me everywhere on all platforms at Miss Mo Loveless and also make sure you look up my website MoniqueLoveless.com and I'm also um, on The Voice every Tuesday at 10pm so make sure you tune in so that you can see all that's going on there. 
And Juliet, where can they find you? You guys can follow me on Instagram at Bonjour Juliet. Also, make sure to watch. I do trust. Uh, I do trust. Obviously, this is a show. <laughs> <laughs> I do the, a show ca- uh, called Good Girls on Afrobest TV, which is lots and lots of fun. So really go check that out. It's amazing. Very cool. And hey, everyone, I'm Mina. You can find me at Mina Makes Magic on Instagram. Uh, you can also tune in to this new show on National Geographic called Genius Picasso. Uh, it's where Antonio Banderas plays Picasso, and it is beautiful. It is such a great show. And um, also make sure to uh, subscribe to YouTube uh, and go to AfterBuzz TV Dramas. And make sure to follow AfterBuzz TV on Instagram, on Twitter, at AfterBuzz TV, and let us know what some of your favorite shows are. Make sure to engage with us because we really take your comments seriously. And if you have any feedback at all, make sure to write that in the comment section below because we want to make this show exactly what you want it to be. We really do care, and we read every single one of your comments. So make sure to do that below. And until next time, I will see you guys later. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.